Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is 1420, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, other things we like, and how much of an asshole Everett is. So Everett, my friend the asshole, how are you? Bro, I'm pumped. Yeah? Yeah, I'm pumped. I spilled beer. Why do why do these always blow up? Uh, do I shake them on I, the drive no, over? Is that what happens? I, I shake yours before you oh, open it. That tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm good, man. Uh, you know, it's one of those... Uh, a mess. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's one of those midweek recordings. I think that these are... It's Monday. <laughs> well, you know, it feels like midweek because I worked my ass off today, but... No, you didn't. I hear you. I hear you. It's in your weekend. It, we always record in your weekend because it's the so world. so good too. Well, partial. Well, Sundays we record. You. It's barely weekend for me. We're um, we're running off like three hours of sleep. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's true. No, I'm doing well. I, I'm doing well. Uh, I, I'm excited for tonight's show. But 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 first, how are you? I'm so good. I spent my day very busy. I for the first time took advantage of Oregon's about uh, two year old roadkill salvage law. So we're not going to keep this on the DL. I, I salvaged some roadkill. I mean, this is enough on the DL. Yeah, I, I salvaged some roadkill. I figure no one listens to the show, so that's keeping it on the DL. So I, I, I brought a deer home that had been recently hit by a car, and I have been processing <laughs> it for the last day and a half. Yes, this is exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. It's a, I salvaged roadkill, and you had some of the sausage last night because we had a misfire in our recording timeline. So yes. I came over last night anyway and shared some sausage. Tomorrow morning, you're going to have some of the breakfast sausage. But today, I finished cutting and grinding everything, and I have to wait until tomorrow. I think the day after tomorrow, I'm going to get some encapsulated citric acid delivered via Amazon to make my summer sausages. I have some high-temp pepper jack cheese on the, ra- on the way. So I'll do some jalapeno pepper jack sausages. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. by Thursday, I'll have everything packaged, freeze packed, or vaccine. Vac- <laughs> yeah. Well, so at first the computer turned off and that confused me and then I burped. So Are you going to be okay? Nah. Um, so I've got all those ingredients coming and I think by Thursday I'll have everything packaged, vac sealed, and filled my freezer up with roadkill. You know... Uh... Until last night, I don't think I've ever eaten roadkill. I have not eaten roadkill before either. And I called the uh, Fish and Wildlife office today. And I'm like, hey, so it's COVID. And I know the website says I have to bring in heads. But the website also says you don't have to bring in heads of female animals. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're good. Just every time you kill a deer, just call us and make sure. <laughs> I was like, are there people who do this? And she's like, oh, we get people who call every week. I was like, oh, and, wow. And just to be clear, for anybody at home thinking this is really weird. It, it was, was still hot. Like It, it was, was still, very fresh. It was steaming still when I was uh, working on it when I got back to my house. So it was, yeah, it, it was about as fresh as if I'd hit it with an arrow. Maybe fresher because when you hit something with an arrow, you wait a couple hours. Yeah, that's this right. This was like, this was hot. That's right. And, yeah. and it was delicious. It was delightful. And it was delightful. I made some uh, stroganoff tonight with one of the back straps. And how was that? It was. It's perfect. I mean, you just have to add some butter to add some fat content because deer sure. is so lean relative to beef. But yeah, just made some stroganoff and used one of those backstrap steaks to do deer stroganoff. It's terrific. Well, I hate to. I hate to because we could uh, talk about roadkill killing all night. Interrupt the roadkill saga, but uh, we do have we do have a guest on the line, and it's a very, very good friend of ours. Very. And well, I'm going to build the anticipation a little bit. He's more. a good friend of ours. We might not be a good friend of his. That's perhaps true. Yeah. That's perhaps Which I wouldn't blame him. Yeah, that's how most of my friends are. I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's my best friend. They're like, who? True. What? What's your name? <laughs> we're, we're like that. <laughs> Jonathan Ferrer, 
of Brew Watches has graced us with his presence, and we're very excited of that. John, you're in you're in New York. We're in Eugene, and yet here we are together in this room. How are you? I'm doing great. I've been looking forward to this. Us too. It's been how long since our last talk? Uh, oh boy, six months last at least. Year? Ooh, you think? Okay, six months. Maybe more. Six months. Maybe it feels really recent. <laughs> I don't know. It's got to have been this calendar year. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, it's uh, been a long year. Maybe not. it's been. Yeah. Was it in COVID? Were Were we in COVID times? Ooh, good question. I think it was pre-COVID. To I be honest, it, I know you're in a new. I know you're in a new place. Oh, it was COVID because I remember I sent you guys a bottle and I was like, Ah, uh, yes. It was during COVID, so I was like, I wonder if he's going to be afraid to open the door and accept the package because it might have, <laughs> you know. Wait, you sent us a bottle? Yeah, he sent us that bottle of wild, wild turkey. <laughs> Somebody didn't share. We still got some. So Everett got <laughs> okay. a bottle of wild turkey. I remember the bottle. I, I've cracked it, but uh, but we still have about three-fourths of a bottle. So. <laughs> I'll send two next time. Yeah. Uh, March 18th. So it was actually really, it was just before COVID. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's we sort of here. that's sort of the beginning. Uh, but John, Jonathan, perhaps. Yes. Uh, yes, yes, yes. We have had for a couple of weeks uh, your new retromatic, which is which has been announced just about a week ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I suspect the reception has been very, very positive based on what I'm seeing online. Um, but that's why we brought we we you said, hey, uh, I'd love to come chat with you about the retromatic, and, and furthermore. Why don't you hang on to one of these for a couple weeks, which we have done and forever and both worn uh, a lot. Yeah, I both worn a lot. The other day I was uh, we we were recording something. Oh, one either an episode or we were just we were recording and I was looking at this and it just it pulled me away so far away from my train of thought that I was like, I'm going to need you to back up a second and we're going to have to redo (laughs) that whole bit because (laughs) you lost me. So. Let's talk retromatic, just to, just to get it going. Tell me about it. <laughs> I will, yeah, I'll, I will jump into this. Um, how, how did you make that creepy? Because it got creepy. That's I feel the like mustache. <laughs> it might be the mustache. If I had said that, Sans mustache, it would have been just a totally normal thing. I didn't want to chime in because he was just going on a roll so well, so smooth. I said, "Know it? I'm not going to jump in yet." No, I'm do it. Good. I'm going to do this. <laughs> and then, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in. So what's cool about this is because remember last time we were talking i was just hinting like i have a three-tier sandwich style and you guys were like yeah and i said mechanical or automatic you said yeah cool um but in those stages it was still sample prototype almost um at that that point it wasn't until i had the production pieces in hand that it actually felt real Um, but what's special about this watch for myself is every collection i work on I try to outdo the the prior one in, in a way or so. So the one before this, or the one that really like started this was the retrograph. So it was the chronograph version with the VK64 movement. And it was slightly larger, about a couple millimeters. But you know, in watches, a couple millimeters is like Miles. a whole addition on a house. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it feels completely different. Um, so there's these different so this is what i've been learning as well um through experiences um there's one thing seeing your product or uh, a product out visually on the shelf online and you're attracted to it but there's another thing when you're attracted to it but it just feels right and that you experience over time 
So when I had the sample pieces and the production pieces at the, that time, I've been wearing it for months and months and months. I said, there was something really special about this compact case on the bracelet that I liked a little bit more or in its own way that was different from the chronograph. And I said, I think I'm onto something. I mean, at that point I was already like pretty deep into it. So I was like, you better hope so. And, <laughs> but you know, for me, what's different from brew and, and myself with this thinking is it's not a checklist, but there are certain things that make you feel like you just done it right. And it's not, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm saying it, it feels like it's, it's refined to like its truest form. Like, I don't think I would want to chisel away at this anymore. We'll, we'll talk about buckles later. Uh, cause I, I liked what you mentioned about the buckle. But I, I like this the most because I feel like it's chiseled down. It's tailored to like its truest brew retro form that if I had gone at it anymore, it would feel like forced. Mm -hmm. or maybe I'll think of something. Um, but right now I really, really like it. You know how it is with, with anything new. You're, you have that wow moment. Um, you know, well, we'll, we'll see. Well, so let's let, let's talk about specs. I mean, first... Uh, I'll say for you at home, if you don't know what the Brew Retromatic is, uh, go ahead and press pause. It's, there's, there'll be a link in the show notes. You can go to the if most... If I do them, just so we're clear. If Andrew does them. Uh, there'll, there'll be uh, links there to Will from Watch Clicker's review, uh, which was published on October 26th. There will be a link to the Retromatic on the Brew website and, and, and plenty of information, right? And, and we're not... Watch Clicker is not alone in having written about this uh there there's really a lot of information out there so so if you don't know what it is take take a minute and just end this at least uh familiarize take a, familiarize yourself, yourself yeah. before before we go on so uh just a basic rundown of the specs jonathan if you will yeah um even, even before that uh, a quick nod at, at will when he did that video there, there's always going to be video reviews and, and articles written about products and of course, it's very helpful for any brand and you always appreciate it. But that video in particular, him narrating it, him taking the, the really high def macro video shots, did the brand and myself, I, I felt like he did it so much justice. He understood where Brew came from, where it is now, where it's going. Um, so yeah, when you do watch this video, I would definitely say he did an excellent job narrating it and shooting it in like its its best um, light. Um, so I felt like honored that he did that. Uh, okay, so to the specs of the watch. So the Retromatic comes in size-wise at 36 uh, side to side. So it's from 9 to 3 o'clock side by side. That's 36 and then from 12 to 6 p.m. would be 39.5. So super compact um, with a thickness of 10.5 millimeters. And I did two different types of models. And we should talk about that too, where I did some that have the movement of a Salita SW200. Mm -hmm. And then I did some that have the Seiko NH35A. And, you know, I, I will talk about it later, but I have so many emails where people say, you know, I can't decide. And I like this color and I like that movement. It's like, can you make this happen for me? Uh, and at that point, you know, it's like I'm the designer. I've said it. It is um, the way it is. But I'll let you know if I change. Well, and the and the um, cage the cage is different, right? For, for the yes. NH35 versus the SW200, the cage is different. So it's not it's not just a matter of a dial swap at that point. It's two no, watches. Exactly. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, there's subtle differences. So like the 
the window opening is at a different height mm-hmm. on the different movements. They also have different uh, vibrations per hour. I think uh, the Seiko is at like 21,600 and the Salida is at like 28,000. 28, yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good, man. So slight differences, but if you really go to like the base function, they both serve as like a robust automatic that, you know, will, will last longer than you. And it's just at that point, your personal preference, do you want like a a big exhibition uh, window to see the movement and, or would you prefer that little unique uh, signature window on the Seiko movement? And both are good in their own ways. And then the, the further thought is like color wise, you know, what color would you like to choose? Yeah. Yeah, and and there's and and you're suggesting that that you had to make some decisions and uh and that those decisions are kind of set in stone. Well, I want to come back to movements because because we we talked about the dimensions of the case and I'm not I'm not sure that we can move on without sort of talking about what the dimensions mean because the the 36 by 39 reading I think might be a little bit misleading especially if you didn't as we instructed stop and and take a look so so uh, now stop and take a look <laughs> so w- w- what shouldn't be surprising is that this is a tv dial this is a square dialed square cased well it's uh, rectangular uh, watch right? sure oh, okay. with the numbers okay. that you've given it's rectangular okay you're fine yeah i i appreciate your i appreciate your contribution to the show andrew uh, <laughs> that was the last one for the day <laughs> That's all I have. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. All right. Have a good night, man. Thanks. It's I'll been, see you. It's been real. Uh, so th- when you when we hear thirty six, I think when people hear thirty six, they uh, instantly go to like an OG Explorer or OP or, or Datejust, perhaps. You know these these. I've just listed off three Rolexes, and yeah. I realize that there's other watches been made in thirty six. Falcon two. Falcon two, perhaps, yeah. perhaps right. But but uh. uh uh, historically traditional size, perhaps in modern times, a bit diminutive. This is not that. No. Because the dimensions of a TV dial um, are are expanded at the corners, this feels much more, I would say this feels like a 39 millimeter watch. Uh, and I'm just throwing that number out. Yeah, in, in I'd terms say 39. 38, 39. This feels like a very modern. So when you hear 36, I think that... If you at home are feeling like that's too small for me, I would suggest it's probably so said, not. Um, but <laughs> it's not what we said about the retromatic. <laughs> I would suggest it's probably not. And, and furthermore, the 39 millimeter lug to lug is um, perhaps a bit misleading because it doesn't have uh, lugs that protrude. The actual watch feels longer than what you might think of when you when you think 39 millimeter lug to lug. Would you say all that stuff yeah. is fair? Why are you saying things? Very much so. <laughs> are, you, are you? Do you take offense? No, you're just saying things in just a really sexual way. You've got I, a mustache. Yeah, maybe that's why. <laughs> I'm hypersexualized right now. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> so, not a tiny watch. In fact, I think that this is. You you suggested that you know, or I, I think you said that uh, you feel like really you've chiseled away to the. To the essential size, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but but when I put a retrograph on my wrist, um, it feels a little big. It feels a little big. And Interesting. In fact, you think big. To the extent I objected to the retrograph, it was the size. I thought, you know, with, with the shape of the case, which I know is deliberate, those very sort of steep sides, uh, I felt, you know, this is just a touch big for my preference. 
I think you nailed it here with this size. This, to me, I, I agree with you, feels like the essential size for this watch. Yeah, it's also important when I chose a size, it's always personal preference at first. Like, what would I enjoy wearing and where do I think um, the size preference would be in the future? I think this was a good size for the majority of people as well. So it works for me, it works for you. And I think if I had gone any smaller than this, then I think I would be removing myself from a lot of people that would want this watch. They would say it's simply too small. And mm-hmm. naturally, if I went larger, they would say that that's too large of a watch. So I think this is like a really sweet spot. Yeah. But we'll talk about that later because there's so many illusions that create uh, that feeling. I, so I there's a lot of illusions, and I and I want to talk about a couple of them. But I first I want to say in the moment you were talking, I put on a Hellcat, a Contrail Two and a Nemo, and then the Retromatic. We've got like a microbrand who's we, who on the table. We really right do. <laughs> and and I got to say, so that's a pretty good spectrum of sizes and shapes. And the Retromatic feels the exact same size of all of these. And these are all 39-ish. Yeah, the Nemo and the Contrail 2 feel a little bit bigger, but they're but they're dive watches. So that, Yeah, they, that, so they ought to be bigger. But in the way of case dimensions, the way it sits on your wrist, the way it hugs your wrist, it feels very comparable so for those of you who are concerned about the size being at 36 the lug to lug length it feels like all three of those watches and and my guess is that you'd have worn or tried on one of those three watches yeah yeah i i think the hellcat and the and the the hellcat which i've got a new i'm gonna shout out my new watch we don't really do watch checks on the show wrist checks because i don't Uh, wear one when we record that's right (laughs) (laughs) i took delivery of my hellcat my Orion Hellcat this week, which uh, I got the black dial. It is a brushed case. Uh, the black dial only comes in a blasted case, but I somehow uh, happen to have gotten it in a brushed case. And I am, I think I've worn this. I've had it for about two weeks and I would guess I've worn it nine or 10 days, Oh, wow. which is weird. For you were golfing when, I, when a couple weeks ago. I you? wore it to the range today. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's got the uh, Miyota movement. So <laughs> when I hit a driver, sometimes I hear like, so yeah but but i think it feels very similar in size i mean certainly not it doesn't feel like the same watch they're they're drastically different watches but in terms of size on my wrist i would say indistinguishable yeah absolutely and the bracelet taper is super helpful to it because it's got such a money bracelet taper and a really great clasp (laughs) so uh so uh design decisions right uh, I think you were talking a little bit about the movements, and I think that's maybe an interesting place to start because uh, part of me suspects that that decision was sort of an early one that you must have made um, to go with a Swiss movement and a Japanese movement, um, and and furthermore to go with a very affordable Japanese movement because there's other you know perhaps the Miyota uh, 9015 is also Japanese, also affordable, a little bit more expensive. Um, and, and then the SW200, I think, also sort of compares really closely to the 2824. So you've gone with both affordable movements, which makes sense with your VK64 background, right? You've always sort of picked movements that are going to provide value, right? Func- value to function. Um, how do you make those decisions? What were you thinking? Yeah, so something I mentioned earlier was that I always have a close ear on who my audience is and what they're asking for. And I've noticed that the pattern is most of the people that buy my watches 
are not just watch enthusiasts, but the majority are just uh, design-oriented people that are interested in something that that just looks cool, funky, and different in a way. And with that said, they're not looking at that checklist. Like I kind of create the checklist of the specs of the watch that should be at a certain high standard. But the people that are really buying my watches are just your people that are interested in design savvy, looks cool, unique. It's just different. And it makes them feel a certain type of way. The fact that I, I chose to do the, the Swiss Salita movement, that was like a, a personal gain for myself. I kind of wanted that on my belt. And I also wanted to experiment to see if for a super light premium, that's like I would charge from like a 425 Seiko watch to 495, a super, super small jump. Would my audience be interested in that movement? And and how would I know? And the things I listen for are, are people asking for that movement in the other watch? Are people um, upset or happy with the price? Are they content with where it's at? Um, are they asking me um, for more Salida or, or are they not even mentioning the movement at all? Which is actually what I've noticed. I, I noticed a lot of people were just uh, buying both pretty even. And there was no uh, competition where somebody said, well, you know, I, I wish I had a Seiko or I wish I had a Salita because, you know, you always think worst case scenarios when you produce these things. But people, were, what I expected, were buying it and their comments were, it's just so different. I'm so attracted to it. The colors work. The texture works. Um, it makes sense to your brand, your story. The the retro um era is interesting. So I was like, all these little boxes were ticking off. And I think it was good that it flowed from my previous collections, but still stayed unique. Um, so it was like all these things that I, I still listened for. But to, to the question, if I had to go back, it's like, I did it as an experiment, but I also did it because I had always wanted to do something that's a little bit more high end. And for me to have that Swiss mechanical movement included in the watch, it was just kind of like a you know, it, it's it's on our arc. It's in our archives now. It's on our record. We've done it. We've tried it, and it's it's worked well. As you as you sit here today, I could I could hear Andrew inhale, and so I had to cut him off real quick. Uh, as <laughs> as you sit here today, um, you've now I think for just a little bit over a week um, been actively marketing and selling these. Um, are you gauge? Are you able to gauge? Um, what people have wanted with regards to those two choices. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is not even a politically correct answer. They have all been selling evenly, which is great. Like that is the, you never want one to sell more than the other. You never want to have a product that sits in one that just flies off. Yeah. It, it's been like, like a, a teal, medium. like a teal retrograph. Those went so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I've, I've been lucky with that so far. Um, but you also have to be cognizant of that. So I, you know, this whole, the whole idea of a micro brand or a business in general, it, it's like a, it's like an art and a science, right? So when I put this out there, I could compare this to like the car industry. A lot of people, they first, they, they all buy the blue dial and, and you have to ask yourself, why are, is it because it's the most attractive or is it because it's the one that you're showcasing on all your advertisements? So I would see like a huge influx when I start pushing the blue, people would purchase the blue. If I started pushing the green, they'd say, ah, you know, and they would literally purchase the green and there's a direct correlation. And so I say to myself, well, I guess they're all good in their own ways as long as I display them in like their best light. 
it's interesting to see that that movement, you know, and that's why I kind of call it, it's like an art and a science. Like mm-hmm. there are reasons that these happen. Of course, these are, are natural feelings, but there's there's like legitimate uh, understanding of why these watches are intriguing to certain people. You, you're you're developing your propaganda skills. <laughs> so um, it's it's crazy. I wouldn't say it that way, but I, I would say <laughs> that, that especially these days, a lot. But it, it's it's definitely like promoting it, and then people, re- yeah, people are just receptive to it in that moment. What was your thinking uh, for colorway and movement? Because it seems like you went pretty traditional colorways with the black and the blue towards a Swiss movement and then the burgundy green to the NH35. And I was wondering what your thinking is on why you applied which color or the the color to which movement. Good question. Such a good question, Andrew. Such a good question. I'm good at only one question. That's it for me for the night. (laughs) (laughs) No, you got to keep these coming. These are like, (laughs) so I said to myself, the Salida movement is probably for more advanced watch enthusiast for the more advanced watch enthusiast that they would probably want more of like a proper professional watch in which case the blue or black would in my opinion be more of the professional watch more of the high-end piece i looked at the burgundy and the green as more of a flavorful pop of color that could be fun you want to pick it up like your swatch it's cool it's in the moment like i could make that a fun impulse buy so not only is it cool and playful with the colors but your everyday person would find that cool. It doesn't have to be an enthusiast, although they're cool with it. But somebody that just sees this online or refer to it, however they see it, would love to watch. And they're not like, pop the hood and let me see what it is. Oh, Seiko? Cool. They would be like, automatic? Sweet. Burgundy? That's pretty cool. Textured dial? That's unique. And like, there's all these like different uh, emotions. <laughs> your checklist, that are man, happening. is money. <laughs> so it's, it's like, but it's not, you know, what kills me. And I, I know you guys get kind of like tired of hearing this too. It's not the boring checklist of like sapphire crystal automatic movement. Yeah. Where is all you know, like that gets so plain and just like, how can you mix it up? And there are ways to really trigger emotions with watches. And I think and I'm no genius, but I'm still trying to, you know, hone in on these things. If it's good. Yes. Why? And if it's not, why also, why not? And, yeah. You know, yeah, but and you archive it, but you also have to remind yourself that's not the end-all, be-all recipe for life. But you're kind of understanding the experience of why you enjoy and make it and why other people enjoy and purchase it, you know, because it's also – you can't take that for granted. You know, people don't buy watches often, as often as us. So for those few and far Certainly between not. purchases, you know, that that's pretty significant. So yeah. then you also have to say, well, this – niche brew brand that does something very retro and nostalgic different you know this person that doesn't buy watches so often what would trigger their thoughts or um intrigue them enough to even want to own this you know so there's all these these fascinating thoughts and i overthink like crazy because these overthinking thoughts on all these details the emotions the looks the feel of course the build um is exciting and i, I talk to other people and they say, like, I would love to be a business owner and I wouldn't care to make money, but I would just love to see how people receive and tell me if they love it or hate it, because that would be the kind of communication I would want to have. And you get that, but you don't want to just let it go into the wind. You want to absorb and understand it. Sure. And I think that's what's so like in this position I have that I'm enjoying so much. 
So I assume that as you're building this watch, as you're as you're designing this watch and and getting ready to sort of execute on prototypes, there were difficulties in this movement versus this movement, or, or maybe not difficulties, but perhaps decisions you have to make. Uh, did you ever consider? And, and first, let me caveat this question: I don't think you should have done this, um, but but I wonder if it ever occurred to you. Gosh, I should perhaps split the difference with a ninety fifteen and and make everything blanket did that ever did that ever occur to you no um so sometimes too many options is bad you know you don't want to be like a diner and have a full menu front back and six pages long right the, it's confusing the what's the cheesecake factory syndrome yeah i was thinking waffle house yes. but <laughs> um so you know it's strange the the longer i do this and this is like the worst business advice ever i don't think about the cost of production anymore. It's just like what would be cool and what would be like attainable for them. Not so much like what would be killer on me to make. Um, when you say like blanket with like a 9015, you mean like why not just do them all in like a 9015? Sure. And and I suggested that that might be splitting the difference between. Ah, uh, yes. You, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah, know, you get the even. higher beat rate, you get a little bit thinner movement, uh, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps not better uh, uh, decorated. But maybe a, a little bit uh, more streamlined, a little bit more refined mechanics in a ninety fifteen versus an NH thirty five. So, so in my mind, the the ninety fifteen perhaps sits between the Solita and the Seiko. Although mechanically, the the ninety fifteen is probably on par with a with the SW two hundred. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I would say I, I stick with Seiko as much as I can for the <laughs> personal relationship that I have uh, with those guys. Um, so they, they've, it sounds strange to say, but I'll say I, I, they've treated me very well with customer support and doing the testing of my watches. So that, that's another perk of why I, I work with them. I'm sure Miyota may or may not offer that same support, but, um, in terms of when I assemble my final prototypes, I, I send it to Seiko and they test to see that the hands are balanced, that they test to see that, um, the accuracy is within its specified range. And they test to see that the cage is holding the watch in, in like its best form, that it's not going to shake, rattle, or have impact issues over time. We'll see about um, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, give it a, yo, give it a try. See, I would rather hear from you guys than, you know, have it sent to Dubai and it's like, oh, this, you know, it's problems here. Um, so, yeah, definitely test it. Uh, you know, it, it's a good question. And so I, I do like Seiko just for the personal relationship and support that they give me. Um, could I have done it with all the Miotas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the question for you guys, there's two types of 9015 movements. I heard the first stage or the first set of 9015s had issues, but then they came out with like a second 9015. Have you ever heard that? I heard that there was like two releases of that model. You know, I, 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 I'm not familiar, uh, but, but I do know that, that, um, there are several different versions of the 9015. I think that by and large, um the modern the 9000 series that are coming out right now have a, a really low error rate but it could be that there was something that they had to fix right but no, they're I'm super, sure they've got it now they're they're yeah. a super proactive company um I, I think it's a great movement i also really think an nh35 is a fantastic movement i'm not super familiar with the sw200 uh but for for all intents and purposes, I think that it's probably a very safe bet. And and it's like you said, it's Swiss, and you check that box, and great, right? Yeah, it's a good feeling to kind of know. It's kind of like you put it on your history. It's cataloged. We've tried it. 
Um, but it's not that proud of a feeling. It's, it's, it's strange, you know, it's like that kind of goes on to the, the checklist, like the standard checklist. So that doesn't really get you going as, as much as like the design, if it's successful or not, like in terms of completion. And then of course, like reception. Well, but I think that there's a really reasonable consumer who maybe it does get going, right? I, I think that there is a consumer who's not unreasonable who prioritizes that. It, it's not me, um, but I think that there is that consumer out there. That's actually a really good point because uh, there are a lot of people that would say, yeah, I wouldn't give this brand or this type of watch a second look unless it had you know, XYZ, XYZ possibly being a, a Swiss movement assembly in a certain place, whatever it might be this might open the doors to them and say like, okay, now I find it acceptable. I'll give it a try. And now they may have entered the the realm of brew and now they might be a fan for, you know, for forever. There's, there's all these different thoughts. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about design because there's more going on here than just a shrunk down retrograph with an automatic movement. I, I mean, there's two, I think really notable things that have happened on this watch. One being the dial, which Anybody who's seen a single picture of the watch is like, what's going on with that dial? And, and, and two, I think the bracelet is is a really fantastic. I mean, one, it's your first bracelet, I think. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I, I did a, a bracelet on an HP one. Oh, the past, oh, yeah, that's but was, right. But it was more standardized. It was like your Oyster three link bracelet. It wasn't at this caliber in terms of design and fitment. Um, so this this is a little bit more difficult for me to get right. So let's talk. Let's talk about. It. Let's. I mean, maybe we just start there with the bracelet. What, what were you thinking? What did you want? I mean, it's really obvious. This is a straight link bracelet. This is very, very the seventies, right? This is right out of the brew playbook. Twenty to sixteen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it has yeah. that hard taper. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another thing I, I've learned to love, and I, I've seen it at like all the Phillips auctions. They have all the watches laid out on these little cushion curved uh, little pedestals. The watches are much more sexy when they have the taper. Oh, yeah. I also believe that they're more comfortable too, yeah. which is another yep. perk. There's not, you know, comfort's huge. Um, but it just was the old school factor. Like nostalgia is huge for watches. Like that's the warmth, and that's the reason that people even wear them anymore. Like, yeah, sure, personality, character, you know, you want to show off for your girl or your friends or Instagram, whatever it is. But this was like the warmth for the wearer in terms of like nostalgic old school vibes. And, you know, I think you mentioned before, like, what if this was like a stretch link, you know, oh, like yeah. old Spidel. Like, that would have been cool. It would have caught your hair and your arm like, holy hell. But <laughs> it would have been really, you know. Yes. But, you know, like a nod like that, the pass is kind of cool. And, you know, you don't want to copy it to the point where you're just like, well, you need a replica bracelet. But you kind of, you know, some things you do not have to reinvent. Because sometimes if you reinvent too far, it becomes unfamiliar and unfamiliar becomes standoffish and novel. uncomfortable yeah yeah or, or novel yeah so sometimes if you, you stray away too far in your your direction it's not good and, but, and we might have we yeah. might have talked about the the bracelet contention before we hit record but and i think we did actually talk about before we hit record and you ever were talking about that that the butterfly clasp is something that you were in opposition to yeah I, I, and and I, what i said was that this this watch this design this feel needs an expandable bracelet or a butterfly it just it it rounds it out for me and i i think the butterfly is money on this the one thing i don't like about butterflies is that you get the the 
you have to choose which side is going to be too far forward or not. And with a with a standard bracelet clasp, that's that's easy. Like that's an easy buckle movement. But with the butterfly, it, it kind of it it brings it off center. And I don't know that I could pull another link. Like your complaint, your chief complaint, as I understand it, was that there's no micro adjustment. Yeah, I think I have two general complaints with the with the butterfly clasp. And and, and let me just because we've got John in the room. So He's I not need- here. He can't hit you. <laughs> <laughs> I will just say he's earmuffing it even right now. <laughs> I will just say, um, generally speaking, I think that there's nothing wrong with the butterfly clasp. In, in fact, I like the way they look. I like the way they look, sort of the same as a deployant clasp on a leather bracelet. I don't uh, like those. They're they're attractive. I think that it's kind of a pain in the dick to to attach, and, and that's a very minor quibble. Um, like when you're closing, no, pain it. in the dick is significant. That's 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 something that <laughs> it's a minor about. pain in the dick. Okay, right. It's it's a minor pain in the dick. Uh, and and that's not this butterfly clasp. That's all butterfly clasp. Uh, I think that the way they sit on the wrist can be uncomfortable. Although this has been very comfortable, I also think that the lack of micro adjustment is it can be frustrating. For me, the way I wear my watch, I have I have quite a bit of play, so it's not a huge deal. But I think for someone, especially like you, you you wear your wrist in a in a very consistent position so you have a little bit less yeah room to play so i think that that's a potential objection to a butterfly clasp yeah and i i wear my wrist below my my wrist bone notch your, your watch yeah no my watch i don't wear my wrist there i wear my watch <laughs> below my wrist bone notch so my watch stays in place and but you're you wear your watch everywhere from above that to about your elbow and it just kind of slides up and down like that's a right. 90s banker <laughs> that's right that's right oh john welcome back uh yeah. we were just talking about how oh, great the oh. butterfly clasp is <laughs> oh yeah all positive notes of course, of course so talk to us about the decision for a butter butterfly clasp as opposed to a standard bracelet clasp uh, or any other like an elastic and expandable talk to us about that decision that was one of those where you're, you're designing it. It looked seamless on a computer screen. It looked seamless in the notebook. So it felt right there. Um, so it was all about seamless flush fit looks. The aesthetics, um, I, I the want, aesthetics are there, right? Oh, that, yeah. I just wanted to like sexify. I, I wanted it as seamless as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and undoubtedly looking at this watch from the bottom, I mean, it, it is seamless, right? You get those buttons that kind of protrude, but uh, I mean, it, it almost looks like it's not there at all. Mm-hmm. So I feel I feel you on that. And I'm, the seamlessness of this watch, one of the things that struck me and and has has continued to every time I've seen this watch is the is the bevel on the very top of the case. I can't call it a I, I Oh can't, yes, I the, can't the posh call part? it the a, chamfer. A bezel cuz it's not a bezel, but that chamfer, that that seam between your polish and brush is just money. Uh, and I'd I'd say colloquially that's a, that's a bezel. I I think in terms of of watch watch yeah. jargon, it gets a little confusing. Uh, but, but I can't, I won't call it that though. It it kind of is. It's just it's such a good transition. That texture, that that light transitional difference between those two pieces is so good. You know, you'll see that in a lot of older watches, like those fifties and seventies watches. They do use that same technique. Those watches were also a lot of the divers and a lot of the TV watches back then were kind of chunky. And it's my own personal belief that I did it this way and they did it that way too to break up the case. Because if you didn't break it up into these different levels and these different layers, it would feel like one chunk of a watch. So by breaking it up, it just makes it a little bit more dynamic. It makes it feel uh, the illusion that it's thinner and, and you can do more brush and polish techniques. It makes it feel 
more how do i say not professional but just more refined and finished it's layered it's it's the, there's depth to it and then and then yeah, you integrate yeah. the the textured bezel you integrate the other finishing um styles around the case into the bracelet it's just it's a super it's an optical illusion deep watch yeah. like you could just you could stare into it and keep looking through that crystal down through into the dial and then your your field of view just spreads down and around it and it just it, it it's great so i've got a really specific question about the bracelet um the the bracelet is ostensibly top down it looks like a flat link and it is a flat link certainly um but but when you flip it over it it also appears that mechanically it's it's a three link is that a is that something that you worked with an oem to design that that mechanical connection there yeah so if it wasn't done that way it wouldn't flex or work at all mm -hmm. this way so this was 100 percent uh, part of i would call it the mechanical engineering to make sure that this bracelet would one last and then two, this was something that they've done so many times in the past that let's not experiment with something that's so new and unique that will break down over time. Mm -hmm. This was kind of the standard construction in terms of setting up the links in the back that way, uh, especially on a flat link bracelet like this. So if you didn't have that center link at that thickness, then this bracelet style would be much more weak flimsy and like loose change in, in time so this was like the standard construction to make sure that this this bracelet would last okay finally we we got to talk about the dial because the dial is i think the piece de resistance but i is that how you say that <laughs> fuck if i know man well, i don't speak french <laughs> uh so the dial right okay let's let's have it come on okay you ready i'm ready Okay, so the dial. Uh, again, overthinking everything as I do, because it's my enjoyment. People like brew, but if I go too novel, then it's too much. They have to enjoy it, but it can't be too much on the nose. You asked me the last time, you said, John, you know, tell me, this shot timer, is it true? Is it genuine? Or is this just like a little, you know, like a fun, like one liner? Like, is no, this tongue-in-cheek? Yeah, that, that, was, yeah, uh, yeah. that was the phrase I used. Is this tongue-in-cheek? Yes, and I said, no, it was true. And with this dial now, it's true that it's truly inspired by these espresso machines. And I, I put it out there. I, I don't know if I, I sent you, you've seen images, I'm sure, of the drain grates of these specific yes. bespoke machines. And when you show it side by side, you see the exact correlation. But, and this is a huge but, if you're not concerned with that, if you don't care about that, and you just like the way this looks and feels, then this will still do it for you. You can't, when you design or make a product, you can't force a person to like something because of your support story that just is you're cornering yourself you can't imagine a perfect world that way so you have to leave it up to their imagination and their own personal visual enjoyment and so that's why i ride that fine line of if you want to know there's a secret to each little detail and there is a support story and i promise you it's true but if you're not concerned and you just like the color and the way it looks and feels then this will do it for you too and it's like that fine line of getting it just right you know i'm not I'm not perfect at it i'm still learning like i said but that's what i'm aiming for and that that's what i was aiming for with the retromatic yeah fantastic uh and i and i will say you, you know i saw pictures of this pretty early on uh because you you're you're uh uh we're under embargo i assume at these points but uh you, you know you're pretty sort of open with us and, and i assume other publications i don't think we have got an exclusive relationship there but so we saw pictures of this pretty early on and i thought gosh i don't know 
uh a it does look really cool and i say those things john this looks really cool uh but also i was like i wonder what is this actually going to look like and uh when you sent us this watch uh, I remember sort of pulling it out and thinking, man, how does that work? How does that work? And and not and not how does it work physically? Like just how is this so good? This Why is does kind it of work? a weird decision. A weird decision. And, and then I'm and then I get it in my hands and I'm like, fuck, that's cool. Uh and, and we had this about two weeks before you announced. And I almost I got this at the office. I was working. <laughs> <laughs> and you hadn't told us. He has us. him sent to his office, so I can't take him from his house while he's gone. <laughs> and you hadn't said anything to us, John. And, and, and if, so I almost, I almost posted a picture on my feed uh, of this dial because I was like, "Gosh darn it, this is cool." And then I think about twenty minutes later, you sent me a message and said, "Hey, just so you know, I, I'm not announcing yeah. that till the 26th. Like, I told uh, you, I said, even if you did, it would have been okay. Yeah, would have made it work. <laughs> no one, no one follows us or <laughs> listens right. to us no. anyway, so it wouldn't have been a giveaway. <laughs> we're just we're in a vacuum here. Uh, yeah, really, really, I, I think it's a risk. Uh, maybe not a huge risk, right? You know what you're doing. No, you're, effort. You're right. Um, when you say, just say it, like just the, the thoughts. A watch dial that's just like covered with perforated holes. That sounds a little extreme, dramatic, and like doesn't sound like it could be a wearable object on your wrist. It sounds a little too uh, specific. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, I think because I kept the holes at like a certain size and and spread, of course, and it almost seems at eye level towards your wrist, not as obtrusive as it sounds it, it's it, an in, it's, it's an inobtrusive texture it, it is it's a texture and I, and I think we've seen textured dials executed really effectively by lots of brands spanning the gamut from big brands to small brands from luxury watches to affordables we've seen that texture dial and this is just this is a really uniquely done texture dial that at at distances and light like i i think it what I like most about this perforation as opposed to texture is the way it captures and plays with the light. Mm. Uh, in a really direct light, you can see that perforation really clearly. And it, and at any angle, it, it almost looks, it almost looks sunburst. Yeah. Well, and it looks like billet too. I mean, that's another thing here that, you know, we've seen some textures recently. And I said, when I say recently, I'm thinking in the last two years, we've seen some textures and Andrew, you and I have had kind of pretty deep conversations about this yeah um the the first one that i remember that i was just like that doesn't work is that green mortal combat texture that seiko used on their um on their seiko 5 edition yeah yeah you you know and i think it just doesn't do it for me and then more recently than that we've seen a a brand i think it's a great brand and I, i i just won't call them out because i do think they're a great brand but there's this denim textured dial and and it's not refined it's chunky and just kind of icky to me and i think some people really love it um but but we don't like blue <laughs> uh but there's there's something about sort of faux texture that that icks me out this is a, a manufactured texture which is to say it's it's faux in that regard but because you've You've implemented a, a machined. I mean, it just looks like a machined piece of billet, is what it but, looks but like. But that's what. But you landed it, and I think you you hit it on the head. And obviously, because you designed this, that's why. But the the <laughs> diameter of of these perforations is such that it it can get lost. It's a texture. It's not a Swiss cheese dial. 
it's a but it's also not just it's not just stamped because yeah. you see so many dials that are just stamped for that that same like let's just call it a dimple if it was like the yes. opposite mm-hmm. um and i had you know when you're manufacturers everybody wants to do it easier they say oh well we'll just do one stamp one piece and i knew that the outcome of that one stamped piece would have felt and the illusion would have been a lot cheaper than doing this in three separate layers it just comes out sharper when it's in three separate layers you have more depth you have more sharpness the contrast that texture will come through a lot better versus just one solid dial that just got stamped in one piece yeah Mm -hmm. yeah well uh really well executed so we've talked a lot about it the retromatic is available now on the website You've got two different versions. You've got SW200. You've got the NH35, green and red for the NH35, blue and black for the SW200. Those are fixed according to the man himself. Uh, but if you email him and ask <laughs> just more just than email. 10 times, you can get a burgundy with an NH35. John at brewwatches.com. I'll, I'll, I'll drive it to your front door. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to... So that's the watch. Uh, that's the watch, and, and and we'll let you plug it here again at the end. But uh, I think that Brew is doing some other interesting things right now. I think you yourself are sort of experimenting with uh, talking about watches, talking about your processes, talking about... Such that we uh, didn't even get to the topic we wanted to talk about I know. today. <laughs> talking about the industry. Uh, I, I'd really like to give you just a little bit to talk about some of these other projects. I, you, you showed us... You showed us an image. I'll, I'll, I'll let you talk about that if you want to. But you showed us a, actually a, a thing you have in your house right oh, yeah. now. Uh, so what else do you got going on, man? So I made that. I don't know if I call it a publication, but I made a Brew Time magazine. A magazine. And a magazine. And the reason I made this magazine was not for profit. But uh, you know what? And tell me if you agree with this. I think sometimes you spend so much time creating content, thoughtful content, whether it's a podcast or visuals or photography. And in this day and age, everything is so short-lived. So you'll work on a podcast and people will listen to it, give or take, and they might not listen to the whole thing. You're just like, darn, man, you, you can't have expectations, but you understand that it doesn't get the amount of time that sometimes you believe it deserves. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, we're, it's a beautiful thing. And I appreciate that we're able to talk about this watch design tonight. Like it, it means a lot to me. And I don't think everybody will appreciate all the details on this watch and the thoughts behind the process. So I said to myself, how could I basically give them another chance or opportunity to check out the details without clicking on a website or on Instagram? you know, give them like a little coffee table book. And that's what this magazine will be. It's, it's kind of the thoughts behind the process, some cool visuals along the way. Why is your coffee break even important? How is it different for other people? You know, where are we going in the future? And it's just all these thoughts packed into a little written print. And, you know. Are you going to do one with each release? You know. Just to, to tell the story really, of that release. You know, it, I, I, I do like that. You know, it's, I think I would definitely do that in the future. Because there's just so much that you, you put into the watch. And then, like I said before, yeah, there's the pleasure of putting out your watch and people receive and it's enjoyable. But for me, communicating your story and ideas and having that received and understood, you know, when you're not there, when I'm not there to talk about the watch, what's fascinating to me is hearing other people, whether it's on a, a Zoom chat or back in the days when we got together, and I could overhear somebody talking about my brand or introduce me. Oh, this is Jonathan Brew 
watches. He has watches inspired by espresso machines. He started it in this year, and this is what he's doing now. And I'm not there saying it. And it's interesting to me that people understand the brand, the design, the inspiration, all these different cues and, and things, details that make it special. And I'm not the one that has to say it. And I think it's, it's wonderful that people want to know more. Like you are asking these questions for all the right reasons. And it, it's, it's not often that people ask these questions. Sometimes it's short-lived. It's bought, it's worn, and you know you can't expect more. But you could have an opportunity to share more. And if they're interested, they could read, you know, so why not give them that chance? I like it. Cause I, and I think that's one of the struggles that, that you as brand owners face is that there's so much of you poured into these watches and folks, which is, it's just not a negative. You want people to buy your watches and, and you don't care why, right? Like it's, it's cool if they like the story, if they like the, the idea behind it. But the bottom line is that you're business owners and you want people to buy your watches. It's just cooler if they care about the watch. It's, it's, there's, there's this intrinsic appreciation when they do, but, but if they don't like, who cares? They bought the watch. That's the goal, right? And that's such a good point. And, and we, we like as watch reviewers, like that's what I mean, effectively what we are. We're watch media ish or adjacent. We're largely the only people that really care about these little weird things. Like, is it a butterfly or is it a buckle or you know the the chamfering on the case? Most people just look at it like, oh, that's cool. I like it. I'm gonna buy it. Like, we're the assholes that make this hard for you because <laughs> we're well, we're the people no, in the voice in this industry. <laughs> You're helping refine all the details, but yeah. it's what you said. What happens when people, you get to that point and it, you know, don't, I won't say I'm not grateful. I'm super grateful every morning that people buy my watches and over the years they buy it more consistently because, you know, you always do your best and et cetera, et cetera. But what happens when people just buy your watch and just buy your watch and you don't hear from them sometimes, you know, but as a business owner, typically you don't hear praise. You only hear problems or when you have to give support that that's the typical nature of any owner for any business Mm -hmm. um but what happens when you're selling consistently like you crave the next thing and you crave for myself at least to share the same energy to share the same excitement with other people because i see it you see it but these other people um and they have you shouldn't have an expectation that they need to see it but how wonderful would that be to kind of share the joys that you have, you know, the, the same idea of going to these, these watch shows. It's like you all understand and appreciate the joys. You just want to share it. Um, and, and so like the idea of a print book or, or creating a podcast and talking about these details, it's, you have so much joy and pleasure in this that you want to share it with others and, and enjoy that communication. Um, it's, it's just like when you have something nice, you want to share it. So I think that's where these things stem from. You're well, sharing your nice things, and I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> and, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna pile on a little bit too because I, I I appreciate your uh, ability to sort of be thoughtful about your decisions. I think that we we talk to a lot of brand owners, and I think by and large, almost every single brand owner we talk to is genuinely curious about. Um, well, how, how did how did you feel about this decision? But I think that very often that um, 
that excitement about getting feedback is tied to a little bit of sensitivity. And um, I don't think that's problematic. And I think it makes a ton of sense. And I, I think it's just human nature. Well, it's inherent, but like insecurity, like you want to be accepted. You want you want the things that you like for other people like. I have always appreciated, John. You know, I, I think every single watch you've made, I've said something like, yeah, I love all of these things. And this thing I maybe don't love, right? Uh, and and we and I feel really confident to have that conversation with you, uh, and, and you know, like a butterfly clasp, right? That is not a that is not a an objective uh, decision, right? That is inherently subjective. That kind of decision, um, and, and and I appreciate that you're you're saying, yeah, well, let's talk about it. What would you prefer instead? And, and when you say it, when you say it, and this was before we started recording, you're thinking, yeah, how how could I how could I do a thing? that might be better for you, Everett, which is not to say you're going to do that, but you're always thinking. And so I do appreciate that about you. We've talked to some brand owners indirectly, perhaps more than directly. I don't think any of the brand owners we've had on the show felt this way, but we've talked to brand owners and I've heard brand owners express a general sort of disdain for the blogosphere or perhaps the podcastosphere. That's a word. Nope. Uh, you, you know, w- w- which is, which is, I don't think they help my sales and generally speaking they just trash they trash the watches in a way i'm uncomfortable with i've never got that sense from you right you come on and you say yeah i want to talk about the butterfly clasp everett i know you don't love it and i'd like to talk about it and i and i appreciate that so um this is like you said this is part of the process we started Mm -hmm. a watch podcast just because we wanted to talk about watches we're so we were so into them it's like, well, let's do this thing that's going to be ex- like expensive, expensive and time consuming and time consuming because we w- so and and I think you're the same and I and I really appreciate that about you. So, but but Everett, you understand that <clears throat> you're both smart guys. You understand that there's there's a, a critical there's there's a, there's, a, there's a I'm thinking I'm not about to say that, but there there is a critical point in which it might not be accepted in the beginning, and people might think it's lousy, or they might think the watch is not good in the beginning. But if you keep doing it enough. You turn a few heads, and a few heads turns into many more, and then before you know it, you can't even count anymore. It's mostly because once people see this on somebody's wrist, it, any of their um, reservations go out the window. Can we can we circle back just for a moment about yeah. us both being smart people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys do get it, though. I super you appreciate you your compliment. I, I really do. I know. Everett knows that I'm not a smart guy. Everett has a notification that just dropped on his phone to remind him to put the motherfucking garbage out. It's Monday night, man. So just just so you're aware of the caliber of people you're speaking with. It is currently hovered over your face. It's the notification. There. That's why I was laughing Let so me, hard. He's a busy man. He's got his priorities. It, it garbage wasn't, wasn't on the priorities. It, it, like, it literally says put the motherfucking garbage I out. Was, I was laughing. <laughs> I'm listening, but the, I I put the motherfucking garbage out. Came up right. You guys are both smart guys. <laughs> <laughs> the timing was impeccable. We really appreciate you coming on. We really appreciate you talking about your new watch. It is lovely, and uh, we appreciate that you were able to just not talk about what we wanted to talk about tonight and talk just about the retromatic. If I, I still have to decide uh, whether or not I'm going to be able to get away with keeping this one, but if not, I'm almost certainly going to pick one up because it's just. So, one of my favorite watches that I've worn in a very long time. And, and and you do you do the different thing. You've talked about that. On the show tonight, you've talked about it. Uh 
it's different. It's this mm-hmm. is not the other watches, right? And and I think that that's sort of your that's your game. And and it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel at all silly, right? Even even the even the retrograph um doesn't feel silly, right? I think you've you've really walked that line well. Um congratulations, fantastic release. I'm super excited for you to sell a fucking 10,000 of, of these. Them. Yeah. Yeah, you you do a great job towing the line between unique and familiar. Well, you know what? And what, what you're doing too. I think the most exciting thought to have to remove yourself from the, the business side of, you know, that mission is sometimes I think it's natural to say, what would you want to be remembered for? Even if you fail tomorrow, uh, at least you tried. What would you want uh, people to remember you for? And at least you had put your all into a specific design brand podcast content whoever you are as a person you know at least you didn't fall into the crowd of this dense very similar uh pattern of what's been just pumped out over the years same 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 it's cool to show your personality through a podcast through a design of of a watch and again if it's not accepted it's okay never be insecure about it it's cool to be different you know i think again push business away for a second even if everything failed tomorrow how cool is it to be remembered for something that's different you know it's not drastically different but it it's a different take on something that we've seen done so many times in in the same fashion and i think like that is the intriguing part of doing this you know and i hope that's going to be the driver in the future I, i think it will be you know I wish you weren't so fucking humble, dude. You're like, <laughs> just take a compliment. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well said, Jonathan. Well said. Uh, Andrew, other things. Go. God damn it. Fucking it's a meat grinder. Jonathan. What the? F- it, I'm just, I'm annoyed Ooh. that I can't be as humble as this guy. Nobody can be as humble so, as this no, guy. It's and, and nobody can have hair quite as good no, either, right? I've cut my it. hair specifically to be as cool as Jonathan's, and it's nowhere near. So my other thing, it's whatever. <laughs> uh, so like I talked about earlier, I had to deal with some roadkill. Um, and I've made I've made a lot of sausage in the last couple of years. And That's I've been using the KitchenAid sausage grinder, which is money. And the sauce or in the KitchenAid sausage stuffer attachment. And this is the this is the the grinder is the attachment yeah. that sits on your yeah it, it attaches to the thing. So for those of you who have a KitchenAid, it you got it as a wedding present the thing, and you have never used it because everyone gets a KitchenAid mixer as a wedding present. It's that's just a thing that you get. I have used my my KitchenAid almost to almost to breaking. Uh, so I I thought I was gonna burn mine out today. Um, but it, that the the little chrome cap on the front of it actually unscrews. That's what that little screw thing on the front does. It's a cap <laughs> for attachments. Um, there's a bunch of them. There's thousands of them. Maybe there's an ice cream maker. I don't know how. You, it doesn't matter. Um, but there's a there's so I have the the meat grinder attachment, and I've used it a lot because I used to. Well, I still do. I make uh, like I'll do different burger grinds i like one third bacon one third brisket for a burger and then and then another of chuck so there's a reason that andrew is the co-host of this show and it's not because of his watch knowledge yeah so hot take on burger mixes um but i got a um so i had the grinder attachment and the grinder attachment works great the stuffer attachment works great for if you want to make three sausages for dinner tonight 
because the hopper has about three ounces of space. But when you start working with quantities of like 60 pounds, it's just, it's not enough. It just gets messy. So I got a standalone sausage stuffer this morning. No? Yesterday. I'm with you. I'm with you. I got it. I got it. I think yesterday. No. Fuck. When did I get it? I got it. It doesn't matter when I got it. Um, I mean, you've been a sausage stuffer since birth, but keep going. Always. Man, <laughs> born to stuff. Uh, and and like we've talked about on this show before, if you get Cabela's brand and REI brand everything, you're fine. You're good. Like basically for eternity. So I got the Cabela's brand heavy duty sausage stuffer. It's 160 money. It's got a six pound capacity. And it's and and the nice thing about a about a standalone stuffer is that it's all airtight. It's just got a hand crank and you just stuffs it. It fills that casing full. What this I did my favorite other thing ever. What I didn't expect was the velocity that it comes through the tube at. It like it it gets it. I I I tore my casings four or five times. I just blew them out. Blew them right out. So, for all you guys or ladies, for anyone filling it's just stuffing sausages. <laughs> He's crying. I got it. Yeah, I've done it today. So for if for, for those of you who decide to make sausage, get a standalone stuffer. It's 160 money. Get a standalone. It's absolutely worth it because you're going to save yourself 90% of the time. What used to take me an hour and a half, it took me 10 minutes. And you can just stuff that sausage so full. Man, he's. I'm. I'm just gonna keep saying stuff that sausage. <laughs> it's. It's not even that funny. But he's. That we've funny. lost him. It's not funny. <laughs> Dude, the show has gone off the rails tonight. <laughs> Everett's a loss. <laughs> Jonathan, what is your other thing? Because we don't have Everett right now. <laughs> oh, we don't have John either. He's gone. <laughs> he's crying. Look at him go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Everett. <laughs> What other things are you interested in? <laughs> I'd like to talk about some shoes. Oh, pointing at my face. <laughs> we got to do face ID here. I just got a new iPhone and it was not the the technological upgrades were not worth the transfer pain. It was hours. I I think I was without a phone for like five and a half hours. Not worth it. Everett. I think you might have another thing this week. You're going to talk about some shoes here. I'll read about them. Okay. Uh, Everett wants to talk about the Jazz family Saucony. Okay, hold on, hold on. I'm back. I'm back. All right, I'm right. I'm here. Jesus. Christ. I don't know what happened, man. It wasn't that funny. No. Something you know, got me. Something tickled me. One time in my life, I've laughed so hard I like I couldn't breathe. I was like, ha! ha! Laughing. And it was an America's funniest home video. And it was this girl who was uh trying to pop balloons <laughs> and she kept like sitting on them and popping balloons and it was and I, I i vividly remember it happened because i was in washington dc i was in this like super cool hotel me and my wife were on vacation and it was the same weekend that uh ufo played lsu after a national championship loss so we were like we were we had some hate coming into the opening season or opening day and we're like man we're gonna we're gonna come fuck LSU up. And then we got our asses whooped. And then later that night when I'm feeling like kind of drunk and sad about a college football team losing a football game, um, we were watching America's Funniest Home Videos and I I was, I couldn't breathe. I thought I might die. 
Okay. I'm ready. I don't know, man. So, so Saucony Jazz. So, okay, look. Is I'm a Saucony? I, I wouldn't call myself a full-blown sneakerhead. No, because you have a head for a head. Because I have a head for a head. Uh, but I do like sneakers a lot. You do. I do like sneakers a lot. And I have a lot of sneakers. I like those mocks, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah. Thanks. These are my Rancourts. They were purchased. They were the their crowdfunding. I almost bought a pair, too. I didn't, obviously. Otherwise, I'd be wearing them. But. Um, so I've got a lot of sneakers. There are a lot of sneakers that I've owned. And I'm like, ah, do I need to go back to those? You know, uh, some of the Air Maxes, right? I've owned. And I thought, yeah, I don't need another pair of those. At least not right now. Uh, the one sneaker that I always have in rotation is a Saucony Jazz. I want to talk a little bit about... <laughs> <laughs> Do I need to leave? Is that what's happening right now? I've never seen this. I've known Everett for like 12 years, and I've never seen this. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Saucony Jazz. That's my other thing. <laughs> I love them. I love them. I recently spilled some bacon grease on... I had one pair in rotation. I spilled some bacon grease. I had to buy them. Gosh. John, what do you got? Other things? Saucony Jazz. Buy a pair. <laughs> <laughs> they're dad Sockety shoes jazz? you can wear your your light blue jeans roll them up once in a wife beater and they're dad look, shoes for yeah. sure and i love them they're light they're comfortable and they make you look like a dad i had all sorts of things i was gonna say about them john other things what do you got uh i, I got rid of the motorcycle uh I, you, you, you said that you. you have you have within the last like two weeks posted motorcycle pictures <laughs> on your on your close friends instagram you teased it like you you oh, might not want to tell us what you got shit. but now you're showing us a picture I, of the I got, keys i got a, i got a new transport vehicle for for brew um so i bought a 911 oh yeah, yeah it, it, it's not a crazy one it's, it's an older one so it's like an 04 but it has like no miles on it and i was just what, like, water cooled to be very clear water cooled yeah. you know it and i said to myself I, i'm terrible because i'm always living in a moment i'm not impulsive i think practically to an extent but i'm just like ah oh, that's such a nice car and rather than thinking about it and looking at the computer for a long time i'm just like let's just get it but then stuffed sausages over here look at this guy he's, he's still stuffed. losing it he's he's still in tears over here next to us we're gonna have was to mute his microphone was it the, i think it was this was it stuffing the sausage i think that's what really he really right. liked to hear stuffing it filling it burst in the casing i'm good i think you're it, not I think it's you, you thrusted your hips when you said it, and then he just died because he looked at you. You have to. You can't say stuff the sausage without hip thrusts. That's a. That's <laughs> like a. I don't know. It just happens. <laughs> but uh, the latest thing with the car. Oh, oh. So like, what even makes it like a transport vehicle? So uh, I saw these images of people that are putting tents on their 911s, and I no. said to myself, "How? I'm not. I'm not doing the tent, but I got the cargo." If you have the roof rack and then the cargo, it looks like an aerodynamic, slim little bay. That's like a like a shoe. Yes, yes. So I'm ha I'm installing that in like the next week. So it's going to be like the ultimate like transport vehicle. So every time I get an order, I'm just going to be like, <gasps> we're just going to go for a ride. And <laughs> you know. So for those of you in Nebraska who would like a brew watch. <laughs> they're delivered to your front door. in 11 hours yeah yeah <laughs> dude that's dope i because i i mean i see tacomas all the time with like the little camper deals on them like the the, mm -hmm. the truck tents i would love to see a 911 with a with a truck tent on it you could make that happen that would be cool 
it's just like I don't know. You gotta have fun with these things. I you gotta be, not. Yeah. I won't pretend to know what parking is like in Manhattan because I really don't know. But it's I guess, not good. I have walked through Manhattan and it's not it's not good. I wouldn't even want to be in a car there. I, I assume that there's an option to have a place where you could stick a motorcycle and a car in a spot. Oh yeah, yeah. For the most part, you can you can squeeze them both in the same spot and they wouldn't charge you for two vehicles because like that's the other issue in Manhattan is just the cost of parking is like crazy crazy. Oh, let's put this on the the record because you know, like, can you still hear me in the, the headphones? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. It's so crazy. They actually, uh, just for the record, that they started like boarding up different businesses in Manhattan. Just you know, just for the record, you know, with the uh, the election and whatnot. Uh, not even, not not to go into politics, but just in, in general, the the city out here, and I'm sure many other cities. Um, yeah, they're like taking all these precautions and to see like big businesses boarding up before anything happened. Um, it's wild time. All yeah. of our downtown banks have plywood over mm-hmm. all their windows yeah. with a with a cutout for their like pull handle for their doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I mean geez. people are just getting ready, such yeah. that folks couldn't tell if the bank was being robbed because you can't see in. Yeah, <laughs> it's the perfect time to rob a bank. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean really, this is a, a zeitgeist in a in some very important ways. Uh, it'll be interesting to you know see what history susses out from this period of time because very. I mean, what? uh, Yeah. Or should it? Because there's a bunch of asteroids headed to Earth. I heard one's supposed to uh, hit the atmosphere today. Cool. Yeah. There's also a 10 quintillion dollar asteroid floating nearish to Earth right now. You got to get the gold. Precious metals, right? Yeah. 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 We like spaceship. Everyone knows that. I'm trying to get that. Well, congratulations on the new rig. Yeah. I'm Uh, excited. (laughs) I want to see like like a camper. Like like the way people do up their vans, like their travel vans. I'm excited <laughs> to see your 911 in the way of like a cross country. I live in this. Yeah, right. Like vehicle. a, a 911 with a with a van again expand over. Yeah, roof. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna oh. see if I can brand it a little bit too. With like, it's all black lost, but I'm gonna see if I can put like matte black silhouettes of the retrograph on it in some classy, tasteful way, if it's oh, possible. That'd be dope. You could cover the logo on the front, cover the handles. <laughs> this it sounds cool man it's exciting we'll say we'll say having well, fun with it well yeah. john uh jonathan uh really a ton of thanks for coming on the show today uh thanks for sending us out a, a retromatic it's been a blast we will probably maybe send it back um what do you want to plug today before we before we cut um i would say one contact me to get a brew magazine it's called brew time um and then two since you know i'm all about visual storytelling and of course like making these watches um i don't know stay in contact on instagram that's like my my place of peace these days um i'm always you know contacting on email but i I would say instagram you know say hello there you know let me know what you think love hate and what you want to see in the future love it more butterfly clasps (laughs) <laughs> real quick website instagram handle yes website brewwatches.com and for social media it's at brewwatches. and yeah you'll find me there real nice and easy andrew what do you want to say before we go stuff the sausage i knew it was coming yeah he did <laughs> thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20 uh check us out on instagram at 40 and 20 at the watch clicker uh 
if you if you want to if you want to support 40 and 20 check us out on patreon.com slash 40 and 20 real quick uh we are doing a patreon get together yeah. on november 8th we if, are if you become a patron between now and november 8th you will be invited and you're gonna have to see this mustache 5 30 pacific standard time november 8th if you become a patreon b- patron between now and then you'll be invited don't forget to check us out next week for another of our watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs>